I'm so excited to be back up here again. Amen. Let me put this microphone. I, I was going to leave my blazer on, but it got a little blazing hot up here. So um, I hope you all don't mind that I took that off. Um, but if you need me to put it back on, I would be more than happy to. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad to be up here again. You know, I spoke about a month ago. And uh, that was my very first sermon up here on Sunday morning. And uh, I just want to thank everyone who, you know, gave me encouragement and support after that. Uh, it hasn't been the easiest road. The enemy was attacking me afterwards. But that means that I'm on the right path. And that means that I'm, you know, I was speaking victory over him and I was putting him under my feet because I know that our God is bigger and I know you're doing something right when you make the enemy mad. Amen? Amen. So I'm just so, so thankful that the coolest thing about uh, about a month ago and speaking up here in front of you is the coolest thing was I got to share it with all of you, my church family, and, and I got to share it with my family and my girls were able to be there and uh, we were just so blessed. Amen. 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 So as I began to prepare for today's message, I I began uh, praying for God to reveal something new to me. And uh, as I was going through the the preparation, um, God was uh, saying, you know, last time I spoke about one more time and how God has his hands on your life and he's directing your paths. And it's not by by what you do. It's by what God does through you. Amen? And we know that the power of God is not in the pushing, but it's in the pulling. Amen? Amen. It's the drawing closer to God. That's what we talked about last time. And so when I was preparing for this message, he said, we're not done yet. That there is somebody here that needs their faith revived. That we want to see revival, just like we did in the old days, that somebody needs to be revived. Their faith is in question and we, we need to revive them this morning. Amen? Amen. So as, as I go through this message and as I'm preaching, reflect on God's word. Write it down. Reflect on what God is revealing you through this word. And do you have ears to hear what the Lord is trying to say to you this morning? Amen. Amen. Do you have ears to hear? Amen. I'm asking you. So help me preach this message this morning. Amen? Uh, This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, I want to revive my children's faith in me. And the word revive means to bring back life to. So I'm here to say that God is going to revive somebody's faith in the building this morning. Amen? Amen. So you see, God wants me to stay in this message of one more time here this morning because someone here is about to take their last breath in a certain area in their life. Your finances, you know, your, 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 your relationships your job, something you're about to give up on. And I just want to say, your faith is the ingredient that will produce what you don't even know that you're capable of doing right now. So I'm going to start in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 6. If you guys will open your Bibles. I'm going to be reading out of the King James, uh, the New King James Version. So it says here in verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So this is the most important ingredient, faith. And if we aren't Bible reading Christians, we would say something a little bit differently for the most important 
uh, ingredient that's going to please God. We would say that it's going to Sunday school. We would say that, that it's, um, that it's uh, memorizing scripture passages. We will say a lot of other things, that those things are impossible, but what are, 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 are important, but what it is, the most important ingredient is, he's looking for someone who has, everybody say it with me, faith. faith. Amen. So we get our, when our faith gets weak, we stop going to God for things. We, start, uh, we don't look to God as our provider. We, we look at, at our job as, as provider. And let's be honest, some of us have, haven't received a raise in, in years. And, you know, we're beginning to say, you know what, God, this is it. This is, you know, as good as it's going to get for me. And, I, and I'm saying that that is, are you kidding me? That's it. This is all that, that, is, that is going to conspire in your life. God is never bound to, to what, you, uh, what you think is a, is a tool to get you finances. He's never bound to that tool. You see, God is trying to break the limits off of the things that, tried, that you've tried to place inside of a box. And somebody just shout faith. faith. You see, some of us can't even shout it because we've been there and we've tried it and it didn't work out in the past. It didn't work out like you planned. And God is saying, give it another chance. Give it one more time. Because God wants to revive the dreams. He wants to revive the visions and the plans. As in a matter of fact, he wants to give you new vision. He wants you to see something different than, than, you've, than you've seen before. In Hebrews 11.6, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he, know, for he who comes to God must believe that he exists. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so this is a special Sunday. It's Memorial Day weekend. And so we, we remember those who have fallen uh, for our freedom, like Pastor said uh, before. Um, and every Memorial Day, I, I tend to open up this whole chapter in Hebrews, chapter 11. And we begin to see you know, all the, the heroes of faith that are examples of, of what they did and how they suffered and, and went through certain trials in their life. And so if you, uh, when you get home this weekend, read through whole, the whole chapter of Hebrews 11 and look at that entire chapter. And it's talking about the race of faith. It's graduation Sunday as well. So the seasons are changing in your life. Yes. Right? And we have membership Sunday and, and you know, when you step into this new fellowship, this is a new season. Amen? Amen? So it's a race for all of us. So Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, this is uh, to, after the, you know, Hebrews 11 talked about all the heroes of faith. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. So we're not just running a race just to, to run in a certain direction. We have a fixed point of focus. Amen. And that focus point is Jesus. Amen. And that's what we're going to. That's where he aligns our paths. Right. So he's the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Yes. Despising the shame. And, it, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So this year, uh, Morgan and I have decided that we were going to start running again. Um, and so in high school, I was a four-sport athlete. I was really good in, 
and cross country and track, but it had been almost 15 years since I have ran. So I've been sitting on the couch enjoying my shows, enjoying the comfort of, of my couch. And, uh, you know, Morgan was like, you know what? I want to run a 5K. I said, baby, I'm going to train with you because I know I need to get up too. So we started running. We, we downloaded this app, which was taking you from the couch to the 5K. And so every week you would start, and they, it started small. So you were like 30 seconds. You did a five-minute warm-up, and you had 30 seconds of running, and then you had 30 seconds of walking or a minute of walking, and then you had 30 seconds of jogging, and then you had 90 seconds of walking. So you really looked forward to the walking portion at the beginning of the workouts. And so what ended up happening is, you, well, there's three days per week. So it got to, to week three, and I seriously thought I was going to die. <laughs> and let me tell you why. And, you know, right now this may not seem a lot like a, much to you, but I'm going to read. I, I also journaled my thoughts, and I'm going to read a little bit from that journal about week three. And so I was hesitant to run today. After last night's worship night, my legs felt pretty weak. I also knew that I, as, um, also knew that I was starting a new week in my workouts. Last week was grueling. Run for 90 seconds, walk for 90 seconds, run for three minutes, and walk for three minutes. Running for three minutes felt so much longer than I thought. My legs hurt pretty bad. My joints and my bones were starting to feel the effects of my three weeks of running. But I made it through last week's workout without looking ahead to what was in store for week four. I didn't look because I didn't want to run because of how difficult, I didn't want to not run because of how difficult the next week was going to be. So Morgan and I left the house ready to get started. It was only then when the workout was revealed to me. Run for three minutes, walk 90 seconds, run for five minutes, walk two and a half minutes, run for three minutes, walk two, 90 seconds, and then run for five minutes. I mean, are you kidding me? I cannot run for five minutes. I had a more difficult time running for three minutes. And I got to run five minutes, three minutes, five minutes. There was no way that I was going to complete this run. So I complained the whole way, every step of the way. I was like, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. I don't want to run. And I found out that I am a complainer. And I told myself, Wes, don't run for speed or time, run for completion. See, in my head, I had the, you know, the high school brain where I was like, yeah, I can run this in 17 minutes, this, this 5K. So um, in my head, I was going one way, but I was like, you know what, just run for completion. And maybe that was the Holy Spirit taming my, my tongue. Maybe he wanted to show me something during this exercise, and I needed to be obedient. And here is what I learned from the run. I'm a complainer, and I never pegged myself as a complainer. Those who know me know that I really don't like to complain about anything. But growth hurts. And when God is taking you to a higher level, there will be pain in the change. When he's taking you to a higher level, there will be pain in the pressing. And I started to think about the church during this run and how we can complain about something that takes us out of our comfort zone and into a higher calling on our lives. And I could have stayed in week three for a long time. I could have just stayed in that week three and it would have gotten easier over time. I would have conditioned myself for the run. 
And during that workout, which I thought was hard enough, by the end of the week, I was starting to see some improvements. Do you know that God wants the absolute best for you? He knows the rewards that you seek in your heart, church, and he wants to give it to you. And God is calling you to faith and obedience. So every time I took a step, I complained. I complained. You'd be surprised at how many times. Every single step, I don't like this. When is it time to be over with? And it took extra time to get through this run. But pressing on will reap rewards. God wants to strengthen your faith by testing your obedience. To test if you will go out and actually run. See, the one thing that God revealed to me through this is I didn't look ahead to the next week. Because I was scared that I would not move. And that's what we do in life, right? If, if God, God withholds things from us, because if he knew how difficult that, if we knew how difficult the next step in the process was going to be, we may just sit on the couch and do nothing. If we knew how grueling that the next step was going to be, we may not move at all. And so as the weeks go on, what ends up happening is you look back and you say, you know what, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. That's right. We were running 20 minutes at a time. But I look back and I almost laugh at, you know, it's just three minutes. It's just five minutes. But during that time, during the pressing, during the struggle, it was so tough. But what was, what was holding me back was my own personal com- comfort. So it's easy for us to get settled in what, what works in the church. And just when I started to see the results at the end of week three, I could have said, this is what works. Let's stick to this. I'm seeing results. The results, I'm, I'm, everything is beginning to work. I can run three minutes. I can run five minutes. So if we get out of the way and stay obedient in our assignment. God will reveal to us things we denied were possible even a short time ago. So Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So what pleases God? Faith. So do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice in service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you will also be glad and rejoice with me. Okay, Brother Wes. All right, I'll do this one more time. I'll step out in faith, but give me something I can sink my teeth into. How do I get faith? Look at Romans 10, 17. See, this gives us a formula. And if you're ever low on faith, this is the scripture that you want to go to. This is how you get faith. It says, so then faith comes by hearing. So time out. 
See, a lot of people struggle with this part. Because faith is not just about hearing good things. It's about hearing anything. So what happens is we, we want God to do amazing things in our life, but all we're hearing are things that, that end up polluting and speaking doubt into our lives. And I'm not just talking about people. I'm talking about the music you listen to. I'm talking about the shows that you're watching. You know, you're watching the, the Netflix shows that you're binging on one after the other and one after the other. And then it's like, oh, yeah, Grey's Anatomy. This is so great. Everyone's, everyone's there's drama, there's sexual sin, there's, there's all this stuff that's happening. It's a really great show. And you wonder why your relationships don't work out. Because your faith is built on something that is perverted. And I'm telling you, you're watching the news all day and you're getting all this negativity and everything that's going, you're going through your news feed and everybody's talking badly and everybody is, is quarreling with one another and you're taking all of this in and I'm telling you that you're watching all of this and it's making you cynical about everything. Like so, when someone is actually trying to do something nice for you, you're resistant to it. And your faith is built on lies because of what you've been hearing and what you've been taking in. So I'm coming for you today. Because when God says, when I have asked you to step out in faith into the business that you want to start, your faith is being built on something that can't sustain it. It'll be built on popular culture, what the world says. So what I want you to understand is faith and facts go together. Facts is what it is, and faith is what can happen. So God is not asking you to ignore the facts. He's asking you to apply the faith to your facts. So when you go to the doctor's office, and they give you a bad report, and they say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you, you have cancer. What you'll end up saying is like, okay, okay, all right, I, I, I will receive that, that you, doctor, you say that I have cancer. But, but you know what? Cancer is just the name. And the name of Jesus is higher than cancer. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And so I'll go through chemo to get this miracle. And for some of us, our faith is built on what is being said and not by who is saying it. So what did God say about you? You see, what happens is so many of us are faithful to hearing things that don't, don't feed our future. What's being fed and into you is something that cannot hold you through the storm. And the beautiful thing about this Roman scripture is it gives, us, uh, gives you the place to where you get your faith from. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what, so what are you saying, Brother Wes? I should only listen and read the Bible? Is that the only thing that I should take in? And this is what I'm saying. You should be taking in the Bible a lot more than you're taking in anything else. And I'm not saying you shouldn't watch your stories on Netflix. I'm saying that you just need to evaluate what your consumption is. Because I got my shows too I like to watch. But are you taking in the Word of God? Because what goes in? And I'm telling you this. It's time to get the Word of God in us so much 
that no matter what comes, no matter who says it, no matter what they think, I'll be able to stand anchored to the Word of God. And, I'm, and you know, my faith is not moved by my circumstance. My circumstance has to move because of my faith. And that's why the Bible tells us that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can look to that mountain and we can tell it to move. You can speak to a job situation that, that has been going so poorly and you can bring life back into it. You can speak to a family situation that you're struggling with and you can say, God, begin to work through this situation and you'll see it come to life. Amen. And today I came to revive somebody's faith. That God wants to do something in your life that allows His power to be seen and shown because He wants to work a miracle. Amen. Okay, so if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, let's go to the Word of God. There's a story in, in 2 Kings chapter 4 that really hit me in a new way. And uh, it's, it's like God is saying, I want them to know that I can do so much with just a little bit of their cooperation. And there's this woman that we find in 2 Kings chapter 4. And I'm just going to read the first few verses. And then I'll go back and tell her story. So a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my, son is, uh, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slave. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. And so this is what I want to focus the remainder of my time here on today. See, this woman represents a lot of our situations. She starts off in a discouraging uh, situation. Her husband just died, so she's going through loss. And you may not be going through the loss of a loved one, but you're going through loss of something. The loss of, of a job, the loss of a business, the loss of a dream or a vision that you had years ago that you've put on the back burner. And so she's going through loss and, and, and um, she's dealing with debt. So there's financial pressure. And now she has people coming after her for her two sons. See, back in this, in this day and age, if, um, if you weren't able to pay your debts to somebody, what they'll do is they'll come and take your kids. So they'll take your two sons. And so this is a dire situation for her. She has nothing. She can't pay her debts. She's fearing that they're going to take her livelihood her workforce, her security, her protection, and her two sons. And so, I, I love studying the Bible and noticing these, these Old Testament stories have New Testament truths. So Elisha represents God or Jesus, and uh, the woman, the widow woman, uh, represents all of us. And what I found in this story of Elijah is a lot of times our faith stops because we get stuck into what happened in the past. And this woman, she meets the man of God and tells him everything that had happened. But I found out that God really didn't want to talk about what had happened. He wants to talk about what was happening and what he could do about it. And what are you saying? 
Brother Wesson. So some of us have, have got to let go of something that we went through in the past. Some, some generational thing that has happened uh, in our past. We have to begin to let go of that. And so, but a lot of times we go back and replay those events over in our head over and over again. And it's a, it's a barrier, it's a, it's, it's a burden. And it's like, but, but I went through that. And, and, and God is saying, I know that you went through that. I was there, but now I'm here. I'm sorry that it happened. And I have a plan of, of how I'm going to redeem all that. But we're paralyzed here until you can let it go. So what happens is this woman comes to Elisha with all of her issues. And then Elisha asks her these two questions that just jumped out at me. He didn't ask well, how are you feeling about it? You know, are you doing all right? He didn't ask about what your feelings were. Some of us have a lot of feelings, but we don't have a lot of faith. Amen. And your feelings are, are not the barometer by which I'm about to do this miracle right here. And God wants to enact your faith. So she comes to Elisha with all uh, of her problems, and Elisha asks her this question, what shall I do for you? Now this question is almost, it's almost rhetorical. And if you really think about it, it's, it's, it's a little insulting. Because here you have it. This, this woman comes up. She just said, uh, you know, I, I lost my husband. I have this debt that I cannot pay. I'm about to lose my two sons. I'm about to lose it all. And he served you. He served you. And I'm coming to you. What do you think I want? I want your help. I want money. Help me pay off this so, so we can get our life together. But this is not a question referencing to what she just said. It's a question that God will ask each and every one of us when we want to get our strength and our faith. And God wants to move us forward. He's going to ask you two questions. The first is this, what do you want? Yeah. And that's a vision question. See, most people can't answer this question. See, we've been so discouraged and that we won't even dream again. We won't even uh, have, get vision again. So when God comes to you and asks, what do you want? You don't even know how to answer. What is the thing that God has placed inside of you? In every one of you. That you could just close your eyes and, and, and that you can picture it and you can visualize it. When you close your eyes, you can see and some of us are going to close our eyes and we're going to be like, oh yeah, I completely forgot about this vision, this purpose that God had for my life. I completely forgot about it. And so he wants to revive that vision and get you to walk in his purpose one more time. And the first thing God is going to ask you to do is what do you want? And right now, if, if God sent, sent somebody into your life to pay off every single cent of your debt, you wouldn't know the exact amount that you needed in order to pay it. You'd be like, I don't know, uh, $15,000, that probably would, would cover it. And what God wants you to do is he wants you to get a vision a clear vision so that, so that if that situation comes, you know the exact amount to pay off that debt. It's $13,864.32. And I know. And see, so many of us just, just get so wrapped into, you know, what's the next thing that's going to happen. And God is saying, I'm looking for somebody who has a vision of what they want. What do you want? 
They say, I want to be married. I want to be an executive. I want to start this business. I want to be in full-time ministry. And see, you have given all that up. Why? Because you haven't written it down. It's in your head and it's not written on your tablet. But the Word of God says in Habakkuk 2.2, if it's a real vision, you write down that vision and you make it plain so that somebody who's running across can read it on the run. So what does that mean? There are people who are coming to run with me. There are people who are going to fund what you want to do. They're going to be working alongside of you. They're going to be helping you achieve your vision. But what if the vision is not written down and made plain? God never gives provision where there is no vision. And what I want you to see, I want you to see God's loving mercy here because this woman did not have an answer. So how do you know? Because Elijah just went on to the next question. What do you have? See, God is asking you, what do you want first? But then he's going to ask you what you have. See, God never asks you what you have first. And we get that flipped. Because it's not a matter of resource to God to do anything. And most of us are getting our vision after we, get, we look at what we have and we check our inventory. So what we do is say, what do we have? Well, well since I only have this little bit of ability... I, that's all I can do. So I base my vision off of the things that, that I consider a resource in my, in my life. So God always asks you for vision first. So when your eyes are closed, to see beyond your, your finances, and a lot of us are, are, are just stuck here, to see beyond, like, have you traveled outside? Do you want to travel? Have you traveled outside of, of South Carolina? A lot of us haven't traveled outside of Florence. And so if God has given you the vision to go and experience culture outside of, of the Carolinas, go. Write it down. And see, God will never ask you for resource before he asks you for vision. So stop putting a limit on your vision because of what resource you have right now. So let's take an inventory of what you have. What gifts do you have? What skills do you have? What are the things that God has put in your hands? And this woman almost missed her opportunity for her miracle. Because she, did, she does what, what all of us do and she discounts what she has. He says, tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing. I just told you. My husband's dead. I'm in debt. I have nothing. I have nothing in the house but this jar of oil. I have nothing but. And God stopped me right here when I was studying this passage. And he said, Wesley, what you are counting out is what I am counting on. And don't forget that thing that everyone is counting out is the little thing that I can use. And I sense that there are so many of us right now you know, I really don't have anything to give. I, there's nothing special about me. I, I, I can't really do anything to help. I have nothing but, you know, this ability to organize. I have nothing but this ability to clean. I have nothing but this little voice inside of me, and I, I can sing it a little bit. I have nothing but. 
And God is saying, all you have is all I need. And I came to encourage somebody right now who's looking at your nothing but. And you're saying, God, this is not enough. What your family is discounting as, as nothing is the very thing that will shift your entire family tree. And the Bible says he will use the foolish things and confound the wise. Your nothing but is going to create a miracle. And little is much in the master's hands. God says if you, if you give over what you deem as insignificant, God will use it to reach the entire world. And so I've come today to revive somebody's faith. Because it's going to take listening to the word of God and to answer what do you want, write down your vision, make it plain, and then take an inventory of what's in your house. God has been doing a lot with a little for a long time. If you think about the, the story of, of the two fish and the five loaves, and the disciple comes up and he says, you know, Jesus says, well, what do we have? And he's like, oh, well, we got these, these two fish and the five loaves, but that's not going to feed everybody. And Jesus is saying, Give it to me. Amen. And he fed thousands of people that day. Amen. And I'm asking you to have faith today. And I'm asking you to do as this woman who, who turned and gave what was little to the master. So she takes this little bit of oil and then she, she listens to what the man of God says. Look at verse 3. Go. And so I have to stop right there and say that faith is an action word. So if, if, so if I'm just sitting here and waiting on God to do something, God is probably waiting on you to do something. So you can be faithful, and there's an action that is to go along with your faith, and a lot of us are sitting and waiting for God to do something, but he's waiting on you to enact the miracle for yourself. Amen. So if you read through the scriptures, it says, according to your faith, let it be unto you. And what it's saying is you... Whatever you've got faith to believe, the woman with the issue of blood, the only reason she was healed because she had faith and she reached out and touched the hem of his garment because she had faith that what she was going to do was going to give her healing. And see, a lot of us will just see something and try to replicate it. You'll see a, a miracle happen and say, okay, well, maybe if I just reach out and, and, and touch the hem of his garment. But faith was the key ingredient here. And so what you see is a lot of people doing things that people did, but they don't have the faith to believe that God can do it. And so let's look at what he told her in verse 3. Go, borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. So you need to go out and borrow vessels. And this one point freed me, and I don't know where I got this from, but I thought that if God was going to do something in my life, it was going to have to be exclusive, right? It's like, okay, God, give me fresh vision, vision that, that nothing, that, that hasn't been done before, and is, everything's got to work through me. If I'm not doing it, and I don't know what, where I got this from, but... Like nobody else would have experienced this or gone through it before. But the beautiful thing about this is a lot of us don't know where to start when it's doing the thing that God has called us to do. A lot of us don't have the things we need in order to see the miracles. 
And what this man of God said is you can go out and borrow vessels to be able to and to, to get ready for the miracle that I'm about to do, to go out to your neighbors and seek out the things that you don't, that you don't know or that you don't understand. But what does this practically mean? Is you don't have some of the education or the experience that you need for the miracle that God is going to do. So you can go and borrow a vessel, borrow an idea, borrow a thought process. And you don't have to originate what God is doing to have you do. you got to try it on, see if it fits. If it doesn't fit, try something else. And if it doesn't fit, try something else. So what are you saying? You can have a borrowed vessel, but you have to use your own oil. See, a lot of people are so prideful that they won't ask anyone for help. You have to reach out to those who think differently than you do. When you borrow these vessels, God is saying that I'm not limited to your current situation. Because I want to do something different. You see, it says the type of vessel that you need is to borrow is an empty one. Amen. You see, a lot of times our vessels are full of things that we hold on to. Our fear, our failures, our doubts, our situation. What God is saying here is that he needs you to turn that vessel over and empty it out. Because this new thing I'm about to do is not tied to your past and, and what has happened. Empty your vessel because you'll never get to see the miracle God has for your life if you're still holding something in it. Yes, yes. Borrow a lot of vessels. It says do not gather just a few. Many times we're looking for God to just fix a situational thing. And God is saying, is that all you want? Is, is that it? Because whatever you have faith to prepare, prepare for is what I'm about to fill up. And that's why I want to revive your faith so you can have the faith to set everything out. And, and God says, if you would believe me and set this vessel out in faith, I'm the only one who can take your nothing but. And when you start pouring it out, turn it into a miracle. Amen. God is about to revive you and your family. Hallelujah. He's going to revive your dreams. You see, this is the problem. God blesses what you prepare for so that you, you have an expectation without preparation, so you get frustration. And see, God wants us, a lot of us want God to do something, but we won't prepare for it. And we get frustrated. And so what I'm asking you to do is go open a bank account. You might not have any money to put in it, but go open that bank account and see God work a miracle. You know, if you think about, you know, that doesn't really make sense. I don't have any money to put inside of it. But a lot of times, God uses things that don't make sense. I mean, if you think about Noah, when he was building the ark for all that years, and he built it out in the wilderness, there was no water. That's right. But he stayed faithful, and he stayed obedient. And when the floods came, and people ridiculed him, but when the floods came, they were like, oh, my goodness, I should have jumped on board when I had the chance. Yeah. So, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it out, pour out into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. So what I'm trying to tell you right now is God is going to do something in you that is going to be a miracle. And every time you look at what you have and what God is asking you to do is not going to make sense. You see, 
that was the thing that she needed to have faith to do, to pour it out. And sometimes your calling is going to have your family or friends ridiculing you. And don't ask them. Shut the door and pour. And so God wants you to go back to school and you don't have the financial aid and you ask your friends, and like, I don't have the financial aid. What should I do? Don't listen to them. Shut the door and pour. Stay obedient to what God has, has called you into. And I want to encourage somebody who God is giving a fresh new idea to. It may be something that doesn't make sense, and I'm telling you, it's time to shut the door and pour. But Brother Wes, what if no one accepts my idea? Don't you know that if God is for you, who can be against you? And so this family went out and borrowed as many vessels as, as they had faith for. Bring God another vessel one more time. And I just want to speak to somebody here. There is someone out here listening to the sermon. And you have been trying to, you've been trying to, to have a baby. And you've tried every single fertilization method that, that you know to try. And so you're on the verge of giving up. And what I'm saying to you is, believe that God can do it. He can give you that baby. You just have to believe one more time. Let's go to verse 6. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And so I'm just picturing her, uh, you know, she, she has this little amount of oil and she, be, she, begins to pour it, she begins to pour it in. And she's like, all right, God, I'm going to pour this over. And she starts to have faith and the faith just starts filling up the vessel. And it's filling up and, and she's like, okay, okay, God, I, I, I'm going to pour this over again. And it keeps going and she keeps filling them up and she keeps filling them up and she keeps filling up. She's like, bring me another vessel. Hurry, 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 hurry. And what does the son say? And this is the saddest thing. He said unto her, there is not another vessel. So the oil stopped flowing. See, we didn't have the faith to set out more vessels. We stopped setting out the vessels, church. If you prepare for God to fill it up, he won't stop pouring until you settle. And that's the moment that the vessels will stop being filled. Go ahead and stand to your feet. In verse 7, Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to close our eyes. Close your eyes. And think about the vision that God has placed on your life. He has a purpose for you, church. He wants to move in your life. Think hard about it. Meditate on it. Think about what is that thing that God has placed inside of you that you see when your eyes are closed. And when you close your eyes, what do you see? 
What have you placed on the back burner? And now you're saying, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Church, he wants to revive that vision and get you to walk in his purpose one more time. He wants you to run the race that is set before you. He wants you to trust in him again. He wants you to throw caution to the wind. He wants you to start walking and staying obedient. He wants to strengthen and revive your faith, church. And so what I want to do this morning to close out this service is I'd like the, the elders and pastor come, come to the front of the church. And when you get clear vision of what your purpose is, what I want you to do is first write it down and then what I want you to do is come to this altar and let somebody pray over it with you empty out your vessel give it away give it to God 